I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. This is, as ever, your host, Matt Dixon. And let me ask you with a question to start off today's show. Do you know that animals know that you have to change to survive? Did you know that the green lizards in Florida have grown extra sticky feet in just the last 15 years? That was when they were invaded by brown lizards and they abandoned the thick lower branches of trees and went on to live in the thin high branches, all aided, of course, by, yes, those sticky feet. Now, some of you might be resistant to change. Most people don't handle it well. Few of us thrive in chaos or shining, shifting pathways. Most of us like to sink into familiar couch or slip on a pair of comfortable shoes, even if we are attracted by the concept of change. And there's nothing wrong with this, except that the world is changing, even if we don't like it. And to improve in performance, we must evolve. It isn't realistic if we want to stretch their own bounds of our own performance. And there's a famous purple patch saying, evolve or die. Well, today we go through case studies, all in a shift in approach athletically that made a seismic shift in growth and performance. None were easy, but all provided the performance yield to navigate change and turn it into a positive. So I ask you this. Are you changeable? Well, to survive? No. But to thrive, you have to be. So let's investigate it in today's show. But first, before we crack on, let's have a quick insider on last week's Ironman 70.3 World Championships. The host city this year, Nice, France, the Côte d'Azur. There I was, sipping Campari with a pair of Peters. What a wonderful day an event it was but I want to give you a quick tip of the hat to two of the purple patch athletes that are in attendance pros Chelsea Sodaro and Sam Appleton Chelsea fourth place Sam eighth place respectively my sum up of their day happy but not satisfied I'm seldom satisfied but for Sam it was a great personal performance on a course that was less suited to his strength eighth in the world. It wasn't the spot that we really wanted, but the ironic component was that it was likely his best all-around world championships to date. And so we can be nothing but happy in his personal performance, and that is the thing that we can control. For Chelsea, fourth at the world championship in her just her fourth attempt at this distance, her very first world championships, what more can we say? But the reason that I really bring these athletes up is I want to talk about chopping carrots. You see, here was chopping carrots, the subject of a prior show, in action. Six months ago, if we go back and we reviewed Chelsea as a bike rider, she simply wasn't a great descender on the bike. She wasn't confident. She wasn't really skilled. And yet this World Championships had 30 kilometers or more of descending. Uh Uh-oh. But on this weekend... Six months later, when it came to the World Championship, Chelsea raced her way back into contention in the race with one of the fastest descents on the day. How? Well, here's how. 
for the last six months, at least twice weekly, she's had a massive focus on practicing descending, developing the weakness, gaining confidence, developing the skills. It was no mistake. You see, she worked her behind off and she converted herself into a descender. And so on race day, she was equipped. How you chop carrots is how you live life. No excuses. I also want to say relative to the World Championships, well done to the 63. So, so proud of the Purple Patch athletes. And more than 30 of those 63 were on the Purple Patch squad. It was so great to see everyone spend time making sure that we had the pre-race meetings with a wonderful gathering. Congratulations, you participated in a historic event and a real world championships, a magic, magic venue. Bravo to all of you. But now it's time to crack on with the show. Why don't we do... Yeah, let's bring it back. Haven't heard it for a while. Let's hit the jingle. Hit it, Barry. We like the way he thinks. Serious with the way. Let's open the book. It's time to take a peek. It's the Dictionary Word of the Week. Yes, the Word of the Week this week is Inner Animal. Yes, the new horror theme of coaching has bubbled up in set the recent years. And one to pull your hair out to. A well-meaning an enthusiastic athlete cutting a workout short or even occasionally not even starting because of some form of gadget fails to function. The wrist laptop worn in the swimming pool, the third party app, the GPS or power meter. How can a workout possibly be effective if my tools don't work? How can I be, in a word, specific? Well, let me tell you about specific. Specific is developing an innate and deep understanding of pacing and self-management in order for you to navigate every scenario in racing. Life is not a spreadsheet and you are not an engineering project. You are a stress management machine that is forced to function in wild and unpredictable levels on internal, external and environmental stress. All of the tools that you have that you've gone out and purchased are super. They provide insight, data, feedback, and objective perspective. And if the information is useful and actionable, it's great to have. But please, please, please don't be led by the data. Don't be shackled by your tools. You see, metrics and data, in my opinion, are healthy. They can help you make decisions. They can frame intensity and output but they should never, ever have the final say. We just are not that sophisticated yet. We can never, and I will say, will never, lose the use for sensations, feelings, gut, and adaptability through experience. Have a strict nutrition plan for your race? Great, but the most successful will be able to adapt depending on what is happening. Hitting race pace? Great, but you must also govern and manage to adapt to fatigue, heat or other stresses. You see, to prime yourself for best performances, there's no need to turn your back on the tools and gadgets out there. Some, many, are useful. But don't put the gadgets or the tools or the information in charge. Never neglect, and here is the word, your inner animal. 
your sense of self, your ability to manage, feel and respond. And that is why the word of the week this week is inner animal. Now, talking about animal, let's put some on the dinner plate. Let's get on with the meat and potatoes. Yes, the meat and potatoes this week, evolve or die. Perhaps my favourite purple patch saying. And yes, you know, we've got a lot of sayings. Well, this saying is anchored around the resistance of falling into a fixed mindset. It is a relentless curiosity to seek ways to improve both ourselves and the performance of our athletes. Now, it sounds simple, but it ain't easy. You see, change is never easy. No matter our situation, the easiest path is to fall into familiar. But to thrive, we must be equipped to change, willing to evolve and develop the bravery, yes, that word, bravery and resilience to pursue improvement. You don't have to be an elite athlete to adopt an evolve or die mindset. Although many elite athletes, I will say, hold the natural trained instincts to be very, very good at this. But you can be too. So why don't we tell three real life stories of real life situations in which the evolve or die mindset contributed to great personal performances? So where could we start? How about we start with a legend? The Chris Liedo journey. Now, Many of you guys might not have heard of Chris Liedo, but he was one of the better American triathletes in the history of this sport. He had a distinguished career that lasted until 40 years of age. And what he had, which was the driver, I believe, in his best racing occurring in the final years of his career, was the courage to reinvent, evolve or die. So what happened? Well, This is the story from my lens. I started coaching Chris in 2008, and at that time he was already a world-class athlete with a powerful resume. He was by far the best cyclist in the sport, but he hadn't put together the whole package of performance where he wanted to most, the Hawaii Ironman World Championships. Now at this time, he took a big risk in asking me to coach him. I was pretty young, with a relatively minor resume, and certainly no real reputation in the sport at the pro level. But there we were, young coach, established star of the sport, going forward together in a partnership, trying to find performance at the World Championship, the famous, the legendary Hawaii Ironman. When we started with Chris, we took a step back. It was a wonderful chance to actually really look at the journey that he'd been on and what we needed to do from here. And out of that, I came up with a diagnosis. Chris was 37. He'd been in the sport for more than a decade. And so we looked at everything. And out of that, I made a simple statement. What might have been working for you five years ago is likely not going to work for you moving forward. You're a different athlete with different needs in an emerging sport of vastly different level of competition. It is time to evolve. So what were the changes that we made that I asked Chris to make? Simply put, the changes were comprehensive. 
but they were ironically very, very simple. The list included, and it's pretty comprehensive, number one, reducing the weekly training hours by almost a third. You see, he already had his base, as so many refer to the baseline fitness and resilience. The second component was to dramatically increase the challenge of the key sessions of the week. Much more speed, much more intensity. When we went hard, we wanted to go very, very hard. To support this training, we needed to increase our caloric intake by about, and listen to this, 1,500 calories a day. Not eating 1,500 calories a day, increasing caloric intake by an additional 1,500 calories a day. You see, I felt when reviewing his eating habits that he was accidentally, not emotionally, but accidentally under-eating. We also, as a part of this, wanted to make post-workout fueling of calories an absolute non-negotiable habit. Are we done? No, not yet. We also decided to integrate real strength training year-round into the training program. And now comes the biggie, a complete commitment to recovery not as an afterthought, but truly integrated into training life. This included a massive priority on sleep, regular clean-outs, no matter what other athletes were doing, the Lieto clean-out was critical, two to three days, very, very easy and light training, the fueling that we mentioned earlier, making sure that we placed a strict lid on effort in the easier days, and to finally embrace real body work integrated at least weekly. This total package and I want you to appreciate this, is seismic in the amount of change. So the question was, do I make all of the changes in one go, or do I go incremental? My guess is that the athlete question was probably, is this coach completely mad? Well, in for a penny, in for a pound, we went all in. Now just reflect this. Effectively, Chris was asked by me to train less, do more easy training, eat more, and do gym work. Just all so that his hard days could be really effective. Now, for an endurance athlete whose barometer of success was measured in hours and wattage, not in hours of sleep, calories, or performance in just a couple of key sessions weekly, this was a massive change. Evolve or die. Chris was brave enough, there's that word again, brave enough to go for it. And beyond his pure talent, I believe that this characteristic is what makes Chris a champion. So what was the coaching goal? I want to explain the why behind this. Let's think about what I was seeking. What I was trying to get out of this program was a high degree of specificity, incredibly tough sessions to force adaptations, but balanced with enough recovery to allow those adaptations to take place. I also wanted Chris to arrive, and here's another famous purple patch saying, fit and fresh. You see, Chris had had the luxury of building resilience and fitness year on year on year, and I was piggybacking on the good work that was done by coaches prior. But I wanted to maintain fitness, which really isn't that hard, but arrive to races really fresh physically and emotionally. And finally, I was chasing health, both systemic health and tissue health. You see, Chris had consistently had to manage musculoskeletal tissue injuries in each of his prior years of performance. And so what we were after is consistency 
Remember that wordjet word of, from prior shows? Consistency. The result of this new and evolved program, we hit every element of the goal. Health, a high degree of performance predictability, consistent performance gains, and an improvement in both bike output, but also the ability to run off. His fastest half Ironman runs all came in the final two years of his career. Oh, and yes, he secured second place at the Hawaii Ironman World Championships. He missed that top spot, the championship spot, by a mere two minutes. Ah, oh, that pesky Craig Alexander. Oh, that pesky Crowy. How often you were the thorn in my coaching side. Well done on your win, mate. Now, there's a tangent here. It seems worthwhile while we talk about this that I should tell a tangential story, a coaching mistake about that race. You see, with 10 kilometers to go in the Hawaii Ironman World Championship, Chris still had a lead of a couple of minutes. He was being chased hard by, yes, Crowey, Craig Alexander. And I got to see him. He came out 10K to go. So what does an athlete, when they're right at the end of the race and they're driving towards victory, what do they need from a coach at that point? Encouragement, cheering, shouting, The gap was closing, but Chris was still in control. Me? I screamed and jumped around. My excitement took over, and I remember my words. This is for your life, Chris. This is for your life. I was willing him to the finish. I was chasing the outcome to be world champion, and it was clearly a coaching mistake. If I did it again, I would have been calm controlled, process-driven. Okay, Chris, look after the basics. One mile at a time. Focus on you. Manage your pace. Keep fueling and hydrating. All of the controllables. But instead, I went outcome. I will never make that mistake again. Now, who knows? Did it impact? Could I have changed the outcome? Probably not. But the lesson was still there. More important, the athlete. Chris. Yes, a wonderful individual performance, but all delivered via his willingness and ability to evolve. And rather than transition towards retirement, he made bold moves to bring the very best out of himself at the end of his sporting career. That is what makes that guy a champion. For our second case study, let's expand out our lens a little bit and let's just talk about Purple Patch more globally. So we're actually going to do a case study on us as a coaching team. You see, I want to bring us back all the way back to 2016. Yep, that year that David Cameron decided it was a smart move to ask the British public if we wanted Brexit, as they now call it. Well, for us at Purple Patch, this was a banner year for a coaching organisation. We had our best year to date. We had multiple professional Ironman wins, a bucket full of Ironman 70.3 professional wins. We qualified the largest number of amateur athletes to the Ironman World Championships that we ever had and all capped with a professional world champion in Tim Reed at the Ironman 70.3 World Championships. A world champion. We nailed it. We found the recipe, right? Rinse and repeat all the way to continued glorious success and accolades if such a thing exists in triathlon. Well, not quite. You see, at the end of that year, 
we made the largest evolution of programming that we ever had going into a subsequent year. We made big changes. The temptation would be just to stick to a winning plan, but a simple repeat would likely never have yielded the same type of results. Remember, evolve or die. And so here we stumble onto a key point. It is as important to assess and evolve in times of success as it is in times of failure. Everyone, coaches and athletes, managers, employees, are driven to analyze where things went wrong. But it's really important to lay a critical eye in the pursuit of better performance when things went right. The quest is to understand what went right, but still seek ways to improve. What didn't go well? Despite the success, we felt like there were a few aspects of global training that was missing. Here are a few of them. We felt that some athletes got a little flat in the later stages of season. The irony wasn't lost on us that those athletes with little hiccups such as early season sickness or niggles earlier in the year were the very ones that shine the brightest in the back half of the year. We also felt like globally there was a little too much work relative to yield. So we decided we needed to recommit to a central focus on my thing, recovery, just as much as the key hard work. We also realized in retrospect that many of our athletes began strength training, but as the endurance work got really, really focused and this race season began, that strength training trickled off. And we felt like we'd lost some of the continuation that we really believe in, year-round integrated strength training. Okay, if we say that, where had it gone? And finally, we really believe in heavy strength-based low-cadence riding on the bicycle. But we noticed that its presence was diminished in the middle to back end of the season. So to really maximize its benefits, we felt like we should create a path to maintain it as an at least an ingredient throughout the season. Four glaring holes in what was a highly successful season. Now, of course, it wasn't simply a case of throwing these elements into the mix, as all the pathways we must carefully integrate into the recipe with care. But coming out of 2016 and into 2017, we ended up making the largest adjustments to the global roadmap and season planning we had ever done. Out of success came the pursuit of evolution. Complacency kills. And we wanted to thrive. Now, it wasn't change for change's sake, but it was a mission to iterate, to improve, and to keep things fresh. The resulting approach has been the very backbone of our training over the last three seasons, and the results have continued to improve across all populations. Long-term success can never emerge out of complacency, and it's critical that you always seek to find the reasons of success, but also to find those nooks and crannies where it's possible to improve. And that is why we always talk about the critical need for passion for the journey. The fixed mindset kills, evolution allows performance. The final story of today, Christina. Yes, a purple patch athlete this time, the injury prone runner. And she's a wonderful athlete and a wonderful woman. A couple of years ago, I began working with her. She's a very keen runner, dedicated. 
absolutely dedicated to chasing better and better performance in half marathons and marathons. Now, Christina isn't elite, but she is dedicated. And her quest was to drop to a Boston qualifying time. And she had been chasing it for several years under various running programs. Now, when an athlete, any athlete, begins a coaching process, it's sometimes a wonderfully opportune time to do something that's missing in normal life, to truly stop, reflect, and gain perspective. And a good coach should be able to help the athlete see the reality of themselves and their approach, the good, the bad, the ugly. And this is what happened with Christina. You see, when we went into the diagnosis mode, at the macro level, season on season, It was clear to see Christina's challenge. Consistency, there's that word again, she had none of. She had yet to get through a full year of running training without having to overcome some form of various musculoskeletal injuries. Achilles, plantar, hip, hamstring, the list goes on and on. And she was 45 and been chasing this goal of Boston for six years. When digging into her running performances, her challenge, as so often is, was the back third of the race. The wheels consistently fell off, either at the higher intensity half marathon or, of course, in the real distance for her, the marathon. What Christina failed to do is realise the correlation between the two, the injury and the lack of resilience to carry her through her races. Instead, she fell into the classic cycle, Frustration of injury, regaining the chance of running after healing, feeling like she was behind in her training stemming from that prior injury, chasing miles, catch-up training, race from behind the eight ball, injury hits again, or some iteration of it. Recycle, recycle, recycle. Injury, injury, injury. Well, when we dug into her approach, there are a couple of, as I like to call it, stark truths. Firstly, She saw herself as a runner, and therefore she ran a lot. If she was going to improve her running, running a lot was the path to get there. With this, she had absolutely no strength training integrated. In her busy schedule, she felt that it took away from the running miles, and that was the thing that gave validation. And with the cycles of injury, she needed to get all the running miles that she could. She did no other sport ever. She loved to ride her bike, but she didn't want to lose specificity. She used to use a rowing machine, but you guessed it, she didn't want to lose specificity. But there's more. We now have a single sport assessed premenopausal athlete who is stuck in a cycle of injury. And she had tried and tried, but the stark light of day showed two things. Number one, minimal improvement. Number two, an inability to retain health. Frustrating you can imagine. So it was time to lay her out there to her. Christina, you want me to coach you. Why do you want me to coach you? To get faster, of course. And how do you think I'm going to do that? With the plan, the intervals and the recipe of training. Ah, yes. And what do you imagine that looking like? Well, after much consideration, Christina replied, You're going to set up my running plan with your methods. Great. So let me ask you this. By me building the running prescription and giving you my type of special intervals, how is that going to prevent or reduce the risk of injury? She was stumped. 
You see, Christina, your approach has not worked. And if you rinse and repeat from here, you are destined for more frustration and many continued bills from the physical therapy office. You are, quite simply, lacking resilience and stuck in a cycle of frustration. You need to evolve. What does that mean? You need to change. Now, that reeks of opportunity for me, but it elicits fear to most people. Change is scary. You're darn right, it is scary. What we needed was a radical rethink. Well, the good news in Christina's case is a whole bunch of other habits of hers were really positive. She was highly coachable. She had a good quality diet. She ate plenty and enough. She slept well and she really lived quite a balanced life. So she didn't have an accumulation of outside stresses. Her area to evolve was the overall approach to training. So we decided on three main areas of evolution. First, a dedicated commitment to strength training. And this included a single strength session focused every week. She chose to do that with a trainer. She also did one to maybe two circuit classes. That's a combination of hill-based and speed-based running intervals on a treadmill combined with a strength circuit. Yes, it was fun. And yes, she did fall in love with it. The second component is that I asked her to integrate supporting disciplines. To become better at running, we asked her to become a multi-sport athlete. Not a triathlete, a multi-sport athlete. So we added one to two bike trainer sessions, 60 minutes of intervals, plenty of low cadence, resilience development, strength-based riding. The mission, conditioning and resilience without being weight-bearing. Also added into that, any moments of a risky feeling of tightness, we transferred all of her running intervals to either the elliptical machine or the rowing machine so that she could feel progression still keep doing the work that was important to her emotionally, but without the weight-bearing corrosive risk. And finally, we adjusted her running training to do all of the bigger endurance miles on soft surface. What that did is to add endurance and resilience runs on soft surface, hence less risk, and we stopped going out for long over-distance days on the roads. If she was stuck on the roads... And then we would split the sessions into two sessions in the day. Resilience without the risk. Strength, multi-sport, soft surface endurance. I couldn't quite get her in the pool. That was just a bridge too far. But goodness me, it likely would have really benefited her. But with this recipe, strength, multi-sport, soft surface running, we became less focused on miles accumulated. In fact, training became varied and fun. She went from six days of running to three dedicated sessions and a bunch of supporting work. This sparked freshness, joy. She started to love the process. And she also became more resilient and actually athletically aware, challenging the brain and the body to do different actions. And every running session that she did was targeted and focused, a real chance to drive forward. If we had more capacity, if the body was going good, we ran a little more. If it was feeling sore, we ran a little less. Dynamic, responsive and progressive. 
The key was validation of the process. It is a massive leap of faith and really tough to emotionally get your head around. But when her running began to feel good and she saw no decline of the paces in the key sessions and she began to feel like she had a rhythm of consistency and a reduction in fatigue and soreness, the belief begins to emerge. It doesn't happen in the first week or the second week or the third week. It happens over weeks and months. The results of all this? Come on. You know what happened. And that's great. But the better aspect than qualifying for Boston was that her approach became enjoyable and sustainable. It stopped being something that she did and instead it converted to something that she loved to do. Radical resilience and performance from a radical rethink. Yep, another purple patch saying for the day. It takes courage to recover. But guess what? It really takes courage to evolve. And yet, we must. We must always, always, always seek ways to improve. And so, as we edge towards the end of the year, what are you going to do? Are you going to rinse and repeat? You're going to take the next few months off and then come back to the start of the year, restart the process and stay static in a fixed mindset? Is that what you're going to do? Recycle last year's recipe? Go ahead. But ask yourself, is that really going to be the thing to help you evolve? I'll tell you what, it's up to you. And if you need some help, we're here to help you. Share the episode. I think this might help a few people that you know. And the final reminder, remember, we're on our quest. A thousand reviews on Apple Podcasts. Please, please, please head that way. It helps us keep this commercial free and it helps us pay for the content that's coming. Remember, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make it happen. Until next time, take care. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate and review the show. The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers!